You're listening to episode 78 of the Body You Crave podcast, the one where we talk about how to change your self-concept. I'm master at life and weight loss coach Jillian Lama, and you're listening to the Body You Crave podcast, where you'll learn how to end emotional eating, lose excess weight, and feel amazing in your body. No cheating required. Keep listening, and I'll show you how. Hey, hey, welcome back. All right. So today, as we wrap up our month around self-love and really how do we better understand this and envision this, I want to talk about how we change our self-concept because this is an idea that we need to fully understand these different views that we can have about ourselves and how it can really play into our ability to achieve different goals, whether it's around weight loss or something else. And so self-concept is just a fancy way of saying your view of yourself. It's, it's thoughts about yourself based on a deep belief about who you are and what you're capable of. That's my definition of it. I just made that up. <laughs> I feel like that really sums up in a clear way. It's our how we think about ourselves. It's how we talk to ourselves about what we can and can't do. And usually it's based off of past experience. And so if we want to change our self-concept, we have to start looking for new evidence. We have to start doing different things. And this is important because we have to change our thoughts about who we are and how we show up in a deep way if you truly want to lose weight and keep it off for life. And one of the biggest challenges I see is that people regain weight as a form of self-protection. We might think of it as self-sabotage, but really it's just a way of protecting themselves. Because if the only time you ever got to feel good about yourself was when the scale was going down and you never learned how to change the conversation and think differently about yourself, You'll always keep trying to get to the place where you can keep the scale moving down because that's how your brain knows to compliment you. That's when it gets that positive hit of dopamine and it gets to feel good. So you think mistakenly that magically your thoughts are going to change after you've lost the weight, but they don't. And you've likely found that you can lose the weight, but you're still not happy with your body. You still nitpick all your flaws. You're still not good enough. And so when the scale stays the same and you're in maintenance and you never change the self-criticism the inadequacies or deficiencies that you saw in yourself, you might regain weight so that you can start feeling good about yourself again as you lose it. So logically, it doesn't make any sense. But subconsciously, if the only time you're able to praise yourself is tied to the scale going down, that's how your brain knows how to get that praise and attention and validation. So it's like attention in kids. They're going to get it positively or negatively. They don't care how. They just want to get attention and they're going to do it in whichever way works. This is why if we give them the attention for the negative behavior, it's frustrating when they keep doing it over and over again. But we also have to realize we have to be giving them praise and and attention when they're doing positive things. And we have to be reinforcing that. So I broke down what I see as four stages of changing your self-concept and these different ideas that we can have around weight loss in particular. And we can take these same stages and apply them to other goals. But just to give you this core idea, we're just going to stick with weight loss for now and get an idea of what this looks like. So phase one is the diet struggle. This is when we have a lot of thoughts about weight loss is hard. It's a struggle. It's a struggle to lose weight. It's a struggle to keep it off. So we might have these stories around, I've struggled my whole life to lose weight, or I've struggled to feel good in my body or good about myself. It might be something like, well, I've 
can lose weight. I can do it, but it just never stays off. I can't ever keep it off. The struggle may be recent too. It might be a lifelong thing. It might also be something within the last five or 10 years. It might be after a certain age, it feels hard to lose weight. After a certain age, the same things that you used to do maybe in your 20s or 30s don't work now in your 40s or 50s. Or maybe after you've had three or four or five kids, it's like after the last baby, it's been harder to lose weight. And we can often find that we're in diet struggle based off of how we think about diets and weight loss, our ability to try new things, our general kind of disposition of how we talk to ourselves when we look in the mirror, when we step on the scale. If you let the scale define your mood, your self-talk, the level of exercise you need to do or what food you can and can't eat, that often means that we are in the diet struggle part where weight loss is hard, it's arduous, you've got to suffer in order to lose weight. And that's just a mindset. It's just a philosophy. Like it's just, it feels like deeply ingrained beliefs. We feel like we have a lot of evidence for it, but it's just a thought. And thoughts create your results. So it's like the more you keep thinking it, the more you keep creating it as a result. And it feels very backwards because we keep thinking, no, no, I'm thinking this because of my results. That's why I keep thinking this. But you keep looking to your past to define your future. You keep looking to the past to be your fortune teller of what's possible moving forward. And so there are some key things and some key steps that we have to get to. Another one that comes up around not just losing weight, but being able to maintain it is if we haven't maintained it in the past because we never changed our thoughts about ourselves and we never changed this self-concept, we have a really hard time of figuring out, well, how do I go from it being hard and it being a struggle to now I can keep it off and that feels really easy and doable and dare I say fun. And so we need to go through these next steps in, in this progression to get to the point where we can maintain it, where it does feel easy and normal and natural. This is part of how we change our relationship with food, part of changing our relationship with ourselves. So often in the diet struggle, we're very hard on ourselves. We tend to nitpick. We're very critical. We first will see everything that's wrong with the situation, how we're not measuring up, how we're not good enough. And slowly but surely, things will start to change. And if you can get over the, the hump of phase one and the disbelief and the doubt and the discouragement and you can step into phase two, this is where you're going to see it change. And this is where a lot of people really struggle because we aren't usually taught how to think differently in order to create new results. We're taught to try to create the result, but we keep trying to create results from shitty thoughts and it, it just makes it really hard on ourselves. Phase two is that you are open to weight loss. You are willing to believe that there's an easier way. You are open to the possibility that it's easier than you think. You start to take action and you're starting to see some results. You're seeing some results in the scale and you're seeing some other results, other non-scale victories. You're noticing how your pants fit a little bit differently. You're noticing that you're drinking more water or maybe you're sleeping better through the night. You're noticing that you're making better food choices. You're noticing that you're stopping at three glasses of wine when you usually would have gone for four. Or you're noticing when you may have had five cookies, now you're having two, right? So you're seeing progress. And this phase of being open to weight loss is really an, a willingness. I'm curious. I'm willing to try new things. You really start to catch the old shitty thoughts. You catch all of the old negative thinking, the default thinking that usually just runs on autopilot. You start catching it. You notice the permission-giving thoughts to eat when you're not hungry or to eat the point of being satisfied. You start to catch emotional eating in the moment. You're starting to notice some of it. A lot of it is still done after the fact. You can assess the next day. 
That's where the bulk of the work is happening. But the more that you do that, the more you're able to catch it in the moment and the faster you're able to do it. And so your automatic thoughts are still usually judgy and mean, but you can redirect them and think new ones on purpose. And it takes more conscious effort. You have to very purposefully and intentionally choose to think new things and to not beat yourself up internally. But you're taking those steps. This is like I'm open to weight loss. I'm open to weight loss being easy. I'm open that this might be different than what I have imagined for myself. I'm open to the possibility that maybe I will be able to lose my weight and keep it off. I'm willing to believe that this time is going to be different. So we're now starting to change thoughts about weight loss and we're starting to change thoughts about ourselves and we're changing how we think. We're changing how we talk to ourselves and that's what allows us to show up in a better way. Okay, so we go from phase one to two into phase three. Phase three now is making weight loss easy. This is where we become really consistent with habits. We can set goals and achieve them. We can assess and figure out the next best step or the next best level up. So even if we don't fully hit a goal, we still also know, okay, here's what I want to try next time. Here's where maybe I I need to do something different. This is where we're praising the small stuff. We're really validating and praising ourselves every single step of the way. We aren't devaluing or minimizing the action. We aren't devaluing and minimizing the progress. We're really talking that up to ourselves. So you change how you talk to yourself when you look in the mirror and when you step on the scale. And this is something that's going to continue to be a process into phase four, but this starts to come as every time you step on the scale, it's just data. It's no longer defining your value and worth as a person. It no longer dictates your mood for the day. And if anything, if the number has gone up, it signals that, oh, I just need to go back and figure out what went on. Let me go back and look at my habits. It's no longer let me beat myself up and feel a bunch of shame and guilt. It's let me look and see what habits I need to work on. So I noticed that I actually, I have a friend and she weighs two pounds less than me. But in my mind, I actually see myself as being much bigger than she is, which is interesting. Like my view of my body still is sometimes tainted with a little bit of judgment or criticism or comparison. So it's not that you never compare or you never think negative thoughts, but you catch them so much quicker. You notice them more. And you are open to believing new things. I'm willing to believe this. I'm open. And now I'm consciously choosing to believe this. So when we are making weight loss easy, this is when we're finding our groove. We're building momentum. We're finding that stride. We see the compounding habits. In phase two, when we're open to weight loss, this is when we're taking a lot of action and we're making those 1% level ups, but we may not always be seeing an immediate return. When we think of this graph of compounding habits, how in the beginning for the first couple of weeks, maybe we're taking action, but it doesn't look like a lot is changing. In phase three, that's when we see the results really take off. We're seeing that compound effect really take over. That's how we're able to build momentum. And because of the positive self-talk that we've had with ourselves all along the way, we are no longer dictated by the scale exclusively. We're no longer dictated by the size of our clothes or by the inches of our waist. We can really build momentum in so many areas. We've found what works for us. We've gone through that trial and error. We've been able to troubleshoot and assess and pivot. And now you're in a place where it feels good, where you can go out to eat at a restaurant, where you can travel, you can go on vacation, you can have holidays, and you know how to handle yourself. You feel relaxed and in control around food. And when you overeat, because it will still happen occasionally, 
But if you overeat at a restaurant, you can assess in your head as you walk back to the car. So like less than a minute, whereas assessing previously may have taken 10 or 15 minutes. And maybe you're doing it like the next day or once you got home, you were doing it well after the fact. And now you're in a position where 30 seconds and you're like, oh, this is what was going on because it feels more common with what to look for. And you can see it and you can spot it so much faster. Even if that overeat is only a couple extra bites. This is what happened for me uh, a little over a year ago now. We went out to a Mexican restaurant and I noticed I had an extra three or four bites to where we were walking out of the restaurant and I was thinking like, oh man, I probably didn't need that. And my thought was, oh, you better eat this taco salad now because it's not going to taste as good tomorrow. That was it. And then my brain just agreed. I was like, yeah, that's right. This isn't going to taste as good tomorrow. I should probably eat it now. So I ate more than what I truly needed. And, and that's okay. Like it still happens. That's normal. But it's not a huge overeat. It's not a binge. It's not where I need to unbutton my pants. It's not I'm so full I feel like I'm going to throw up or I feel so uncomfortable and so sick or I'm so full even the next morning. It's just an extra couple of bites, but I notice it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I probably didn't need that. But I can assess quickly and there's no shame and there's no judgment. It's just noticing and it's not letting that become a habit and a pattern. And then phase four is maintenance. And maintenance is where you can actually keep the weight off for life. So you now have the confidence and you have this new self-talk in your process. You have confidence in who you are and how you show up and how you pivot and how you problem solve. You have confidence in your ability to keep the weight off because how you keep it off is exactly how you lost it. And that's the beauty of this. How you lose the weight is how you're going to keep it off. So now it just feels so much more ingrained if you have practiced all of these habits, which is just what you continue with. And you can continue to look for, okay, where can I level up? What's 1% that I can get just a little bit better? And when you get off track, you bring yourself back on track so much faster, right? Because we will get off track from time to time, but you don't let it mean anything about you. You don't think to yourself, screw it. I've blown it. Might as well just eat my face off now. You just get right back on track whenever you notice it. The next day, the next week, you bring right back in. So you have all of the same habits and behaviors about phase three and making weight loss easy to where it feels easy to keep it off. And you do it now with confidence. You do it with these deep levels of self-awareness and self-trust and self-compassion, deep levels of self-love. This is the key. You know how to talk to yourself, what things about your body likely just aren't going to change or aren't going to go away, things that we just we get to learn to love. We get to learn to be appreciative of. And we get to focus on the things that we do like about our bodies. We get to look at photos of ourselves and choose to find what we like in it versus nitpicking and looking at everything that's wrong with this image. This is the work. This is the internal game that needs to shift. Because now that you are praising yourself, not just for the scale, you no longer need the scale to keep going down in order to feel good about yourself. So now we've detached our value and worth from the scale going down to where it becomes so much easier to maintain from a mindset perspective, as well as from a logistical like plan perspective of what you are actually doing, the tactical steps of what you're doing are actually easy to do and easy to continue doing. That's how you're able to maintain it. We have a simple plan met with the mindset and the positive self-talk. That's how you build consistency. It's the same thing whether you are trying to lose weight or you're keeping it off. And it builds. 
it's okay that you can't go from phase one and being in the diet struggle to being able to believe that, oh, you're going to get to maintenance and you're not going to stress or worry or have fear about keeping your weight off, especially if you've lost weight and gained it back again. Like we all have. We all create our own types of diet trauma and we all have a lot of fear and emotion that rides on the scale. And so when we learn to detach that through this process, being very intentional to change how we think about ourselves and how we're doing life and how we're showing up, this is the key. This is it. It's not waiting until you're in maintenance to buy the new clothes. It's buying them and buying clothes that fit your body now in phase one or phase two. It's buying clothes that fit you well as you are in phase three losing the weight. It's liking what you're doing. It's finding hobbies and finding new things to do. It's about finding a job that you love and lights you up. It's about finding people to have in your life that you truly love being around. It's about recognizing the people that are bringing you down and that are not contributing to your life in a positive way and making a conscious effort to cut them out. Choosing not to be around certain people as setting a boundary, as a way of self-protection and as a way of saying, this is not a healthy relationship. I'm not doing this anymore. And you making that choice for yourself because you are confident in your decisions. You're confident in who you are and you're confident what's best for you. It's okay that we don't know how to solve problems in maintenance when we first start losing weight. We're not there yet. We'll get there. But it would be like me with a two-year-old and trying to preempt and figure out, okay, what do I do when he's 15 and he has these problems? I don't know that he's, my son's even going to have those problems. I can't plan for the problems that he's going to have in the future. And my brain right now, when he's two-year-old, is not properly equipped to handle the challenges he's going to face when he's seven or he's 12 or he's 16. I'm going to learn so much about him and about me and about different parenting styles along the way. I can trust myself now that I will figure it out. And this is part of what comes back to self-love is this I'm willing to believe. I'm willing to bet on myself. I'm willing to trust myself. I'm willing to take this risk. And we can take this risk because we decide ahead of time I'm not going to beat myself up whenever I face disappointment, whenever I face a mistake or any kind of setback or failure. I'm choosing consciously that I am not going to beat myself up. I'm not going to sit in shame. I'm not going to wallow in sorrow and self-pity. I'm getting off the self-loathing train and I'm choosing to do things differently. This is how we have to start changing our self-concept is just by that initial, I have my own back. I learn that I can trust myself. I learn that I don't need somebody else's net to catch me, that I create the net that catches me, that I can comfort and soothe myself, that I can feel the negative emotion and I don't have to sit in it and wallow in it and that I can move forward and I can learn from it and I can truly achieve these goals that I have for myself. Again, this isn't a weight loss setting, but we can still apply this to any other goal. There's going to be the struggle, open, and willingness, making it easy, and then maintaining your results. And it's all a process. We're learning as we go. But this is the process to creating the results. And this is why self-love is so important. And it's something that we just aren't taught. We don't know how to talk about. And in some circles and some social constructs, we're also taught that it's bad. I shouldn't love myself. That means I'm vain or I'm selfish or we have a lot of connotations about what it means. And in different religious circles, we can have different ideas about it. But if you would like some help to change the way that you think about yourself, to change your mood and not let it be dictated by 
your reflection in the mirror or the number on the scale or the size of your pants. If you want to learn how to truly lose weight and keep it off for life, then I would love to chat because we are going to do both at the same time. I'm going to help you change your relationship with yourself now and all the way down the scale so that when you lose the weight, you can maintain it with ease and it feels like a natural part of who you are. It's no longer something you have to think about so hard and so consciously. It becomes this effortless piece of you. If you would like to chat and learn more about working with me and how I can help you do this, then you can schedule your free consultation at www.bodyyoucrave.com forward slash schedule. And there you'll find a day and time on my calendar that works for you. And we'll sit down, we'll talk through, where are you now? What feels like the struggle? What feels really hard? I'm gonna help you see how it can be simple and easy and doable. And even though it may not always feel easy in the moment, I'm gonna teach you ways of making it easy, ways of breaking it down and finding that simple step, that next best step that you can take that does feel easy, that does feel doable. We're just gonna keep breaking things down to where you feel confident. And I'm gonna show you how to build onto your habits, how to build compounding habits so that you can truly create the momentum and the ultimate results that you really want for your life. Because it's about the body and the life that you crave. That's what we are after here. I hope you all have had a fabulous month of February. Get ready. In March, I've got some new content coming up. So we're going to switch gears a little bit. And I've got an all-new five-day workshop that is coming up the week of March 27th. So more details will be coming out about that starting next week. I hope that you can join me live. If not, there will be replays of everything. But this next month is going to be awesome. And then I'm also planning out some great stuff for us in April and May. We're going to head into a troubleshooting series in April and really talking about what to do if or what to do when. So what do we do when the scale doesn't move? What do you do when you can't stick with your schedule? And then in May, being that it's Mental Health Awareness Month, I'm going to be talking more about how to heal from antagonistic relationships and what the difference is between healthy and dysfunctional relationships, how you can start to see some of these signs and symptoms so that you can spot them in your own life and in the lives of others. Because I guarantee we are all one degree away from a narcissist. And if it's not you, it's a very close family or friend. And you being able to see things and see it for what it is, is going to be able to help these other people in these situations where they might think something is quote normal and really it's extremely toxic or extremely dysfunctional. And so this is going to help you, not just in your own life, but to show up for other people around you. And I think this is the beauty of it. It's also going to be helpful because we can start to see how we might have picked up some bad habits as kids or as young adults, and we've developed some coping mechanisms or some things that just are not useful anymore. So talking about things like the silent treatment, people-pleasing, boundaries, what does this stuff even mean? What does it look like in our day-to-day -day lives? I'm super excited to be bringing this and it's going to be a slightly different topic in this weight loss space, but I'm also going to bring it into why this is so important in this genre to understand these concepts in the realm of weight loss as well, because a lot of this can drive our emotional eating or emotional drinking. All right. Well, that is all for right now. I hope you all have a fabulous week. Here's to creating the life and body you crave. If you like this episode, then you'll love my free virtual workshop. 
five keys to end emotional eating and lose excess weight for life. You'll learn the counterintuitive reason why all your attempts to restrict food over the years has actually led to weight gain and the mental switch you need to flick that'll have you dropping pounds without sacrificing wine, carbs, or the food you love. Get all the details at bodyyoucrave.com.